Hello and welcome to the Final Whistle podcast. My name's Harry McBain and today I'm joined by Adam and Des, both Forest fans. Go and check out their social medias, which I'll leave linked to the episode below. Um, so as you can imagine, we're all Forest fans. We're here for one reason, to talk about the brilliant start to the season. Uh, worst start in 108 years for Forest. Uh, well, firstly, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, Des, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts from the start of this season? Um, just a little bit taken aback, really. You know, I, I didn't think we was going to storm the league by any stretch of the imagination. I, I never expected us to do particularly well, but I didn't expect us to be as, ba- as bad as we've been. And, um, of course, as each defeat sort of mounts up, it's looking pretty ominous going into the winter. So, yeah, a little bit taken aback by how poor it's been so far. Yeah, Adam, how have you... Um found the start to the season so far because obviously I don't think anyone expected us as Des said to be in this situation No I mean it's a tough one really I mean I think we we went into the season I think most people realistically looking at it thinking you know a top half finish and just progress on that last season would be acceptable but I think you know six seven games in bottom of the league with one point and that one point coming against you know, a very poor Derby side, albeit they've started well. It's disappointing. I think that's the, the only word to describe it, really. Yeah, and we've got Middlesbrough tomorrow night. This is being filmed on Tuesday, um, which is being seen as a must-win game for us to, to really... Otherwise, I think we're seven points adrift, basically, depending on how results go tonight. It's Neil Warnock. We never do too well against him. Des, what are your hopes for the game? Obviously, we want to win, but... What are your realistic thoughts on it? Um, I suppose it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because the championship is tricky at the end of the day. You know, whenever teams come to Forest in the past and they're bottom of the league and they've not won in six games, you know, the, the, the common turn is over. So there's always, I, I find with, with the middles beside, there's always a chance. They seem a little bit brittle. They're not as good as they were a couple of years ago. What is interesting is the fact we played Cardiff on Sunday and that was Neil Warnock's team. Uh, that's the team he built over a period of time, sort of the big the big guys at the back, the big guys at the front. And I guess that's what he's looking to do at Middlesbrough. And I know with a couple of players, he'll be trying to sort of probably use the same sort of tactics to bully us a little bit in both penalty areas. So I'm expecting a tough game. I, I'm not sure it'll be high scoring, nothing more than 2-1. Hopefully, you know, something just falls our way, we, we, we grab the win. I'm not expecting it. I'm really, I, I really can't see it, but it's the championship. You never know what you're going to get. I, what I do expect more than most things is this game is going to be pretty much like the last one. It's going to be a bit of an aerial sort of bombardment and we're going to have to stand up to the test. What I found from Sunday is it didn't change the tactics when, when that's, when, Cardiff started putting the pressure on. You know, we 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 got in front for once for the first time in a long time, and that's when um, we were to go for it, which Chris Hutton doesn't do, or yet to find some sort of awareness of what to do at the back and deal with that threat. When they put Kiefer Moore on, they just pulled us all over the pitch. God forbid I say this, but perhaps even another centre half in there. You know, just to do something that little bit different. But yeah, I don't. 
Do you know, I, I quite often predict Ferrari scores and I quite often go, what, whoever scores the first goal is going to win. And I, I pretty much think it might just be one of those. Yeah, and Adam, we've seen Chris Hutton mainly use a 4-2-3-1. It was a 4-4-2 at the weekend with the two strikers, really. What do you expect really to see against Middlesbrough? Do you think will Hutton will change it up at all? I think it was, I think for a lot of fans, when we, you know, an hour before the kickoff and we looked at the team and thought, you know what, he's tried something different. You know, he's been very rigid with that 4-2-3-1, not, doesn't look like it was ever going to change and then he decided you know well, I'll go for something a bit different and I think to be honest first half against Cardiff I think even the biggest you know Hewton out supporters must admit that we, we played all right we you know we were definitely solid I think you know obviously Max Lowe at left back was a- exactly what we've been after it's just that you know that overlapping fullback that could get into diff- you know those areas and I think under Sabri when Yuri did that it was it it always came to a good effect and um, I think that 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 really helped us. But second half, you know, obviously as Des said there, I think when Moore and Cole came on, it it, it changed the game, and we we didn't have anything to combat that. Ultimately, um, I think Keith Moore is one of the best strikers in the championship, without a shadow of a doubt for me. And even his presence just it, it scared the defense. But going into Middlesbrough, I mean, personally, if, if we're all saying what we personally do, personally, I'd go for a three back. You know, I I prefer to see maybe the new lad come in, Eli, or if Mbeso is fit, you know, and go with a three back and two wing backs. Obviously, Jed Spence can't play against his parent club, I believe, so it's going to be, you know, a tough one at right back. I know the the lad from Olympiacos, I don't think can play anyway because of the quarantine rules. So, um, it'd be interesting to see if Ose Tutu maybe maybe fit. I I know he's nearing fitness. I'm not sure if he is. If not, it might be Finn back. But I think ultimately you've got. I think if you go with that, it's a system that could work for us. We have the personnel to play it, but I'd be lying if I said that I think going into the Middlesbrough game that anything will drastically change. I think it'll be more that 4-2-3-1 or the 4-4-2 that played against Cardiff, but we just need to adapt to the game not going our way. And against Cardiff, we lost because we couldn't do that, ultimately. Yeah, and I think one of the surprising things for me was we saw the two strikers up there first half, they were both, they did quite well. Um, and then the second half, obviously, the referee didn't give us a few fouls, maybe on Lyle Taylor, Lyle Taylor that we should have had. Um, but what are your thoughts, Des, on Lyle? Because he's he's one that a lot of fans seem to like, mainly because of what he did at Charlton and then didn't really get a chance last year as much as people have wanted. But some people say, you know, he dives about too much instead of actually going for the ball. What are your thoughts on him? Well, to be honest, I, I was a massive fan of Lyle Taylor when we signed him. You know, I saw the two games at Charlton when he scored against us. I, I went to the away game and I saw the game obviously at home when he, he didn't do very much during the game. He's not that type of player to keep the keep the play flowing, you know, link up. You can see at the moment the ball's bouncing back off him every time it goes up, or he's conceding a free kick because he's backing in. Um what what I've said in, in other places about Taylor is we need to get him facing goal. So we need to turn him around. We need to be creating the chances from the wing because I don't think there's a much better finisher in the championship than Lyle Taylor. You saw the goal against Coventry where Brennan Johnson actually got in behind, put the ball across and he's there. He's, he's worked the position and scored the goal. 
and and I always remember. I don't know if you guys can remember. You were a bit younger than me, but um, back to Marcus Tudgay, he was exactly the same. Forest were really poor under Steve Cottrell, and and he Tudgay had to play that same role with the ball coming in, trying to hold it up, trying to bring players in who were not necessarily attack minded. I'm thinking of Yates and all these kind of players around him who the midfield need to link up with, and. When Billy Davis came in and they put Tud Gay facing the other way, he was a really, really good player. So I don't think, like in terms of Taylor and Forrest and, and the future, if if they play to his strengths, I think there's something there. Do you know, I just don't think with Lyle Taylor that we're playing to his his, his game. Do you know, he's for for all his endeavour, and I noticed he worked really hard, particularly in the first half on on Sunday, and in in, in a few games so so far this season, he, he's working hard, he's doing the right thing, he, he kind of applies himself well, but he's not, he's just not getting in the right positions. You'd hope with someone like a Grabburn or more attacking players that we can perhaps get him that ten yards further up the pitch because that's where he needs to be. We need him sort of in the penalty area, not on the halfway line. I noticed when when we played Derby and Joe Worrell came back in, rather than play passes sideways, Worrell was trying to find Lyle Taylor's feet every time, obviously conscious of the fans and and getting booed for playing it sideways. And it was just coming back. And and I think this thing about the free kicks, I think he kind of upsets referees from from the start in the way he, he, he does go about his business. And some of them are genuine free kicks. But he doesn't win them. I think someone like a Jack Grealish, who's famous for winning free kicks and the number. And and the problem is we've got with Taylor is he's not winning those free kicks, and he's and the ball's bouncing back off him, and he's not in the right areas. That I don't think that's all his fault. But until we play a system that allows him to sort of face goal, you know, get chances and take them, he's going to struggle. Yeah, and. Talk about the system there. We'll probably go to the main bit of the conversation around one man, Chris Hewton. Um, we saw Sabri's departure and in typical Maranakis ownership style, we had Hewton not very long after announced as manager. Adam, are you in or out on Hewton? And um, obviously after poor start, how much longer do you really think we're going to give him? Um, I, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, you know, when... I mean, a lot of us were probably, when Sabri left, probably under the agreement that it was the right decision at the time, potentially. But at the same time, we had such a, you know, the season before we had such highs. I mean, I went to probably nearly every away game as well as having my season ticket. And it's just some of the best days and matches I've seen as a Forest fan. Um, and, you know, to for him to leave the club was was tough, but it was probably the right call. And I think, with Hewton, he, he's come in and I think, you know, we've, we've all wanted him to play. Well, the thing is, I mean, you know, he's not notorious for playing an excellent football. I mean, Brighton, Newcastle fans, certainly Norwich. I mean, they're very harsh with their criticism of him. So it's, you know, we knew that him coming in, he might just be a safe pair of hands. He might come in and steady the ship. And obviously, the first game he came in, we beat Blackburn away. And I thought, you know what, it's that sort of performance where we didn't play well, but we got three points that I thought Hewton would be would implement into the side and you know we're probably what 50 games into his tenure here and I just I, I I would love him to turn it around I just can't see that he will and I can't see where that's going to come from I mean we have signed a couple of players obviously albeit some of them can't play yet um but realistically speaking I, I don't know how much of a difference they're going to make 
to this side at the moment under Hewitt and how he plays. So for me, it's with a reluctance because I never like to say I don't want. I never like to say managers out. I never. I never want to tweet about managers saying I want you out. Or you know, like a lot of people have been really abusive to him and stuff online. I mean, it's not nice, but for me, it's not going to work for him at Forest. And I think we we do need to get get somebody else in. And I think the, the international break was the perfect time to do it. Albeit that point at Derby, I think it would have happened. And I was I was stunned on Sunday morning when uh, sorry Monday morning this week when I woke up and there wasn't an announcement. It was surprising. Um, but I think the the Middlesbrough game, if we lose, I just, I really can't see how we can stay at the club. Um, and that's not me wanting him to go. It's just I think it it's not worked, and I think he'd probably admit that. Maybe not now, but when he leaves the club, he'd probably admit that. Yeah, and I think it was one of those ones that when he came in, a lot of the fan base were like, oh, we finally appointed someone that's that's got experience that probably will do quite well with us. But looking at the stats, I've gotten down here. So his win rate is 26%. It's the second lowest in the last number of managers since McLeish, um, who's got 14%. So uh, he's doing all right compared to him. But then you look back to people like Martin O'Neill, 42% win rate, and he was being shoved out the door. Um, Ita Karanka is probably the last manager that people maybe preferred seeing. Obviously, Lamucci did well. Um, but we got rid of Karanka at seventh. Um, Des, what are your thoughts on Hugh? And, and do you think that it's entirely his fault, obviously, with the whole uh, Rentsos situation and the way that the club's been handled over the last few years? To be honest, um, I never want to Chris Hewitt to be Forest manager purely because I, I, I saw why people would. I saw the stats. I saw his promotions. His CV stood up to to most other candidates, but it was it was too similar to what we'd had under Lamucci. You know, it was it was a, a defensive-minded coach. Yes, Lamucci fell to pieces at the end. The, the team fell to pieces. But he wasn't going to bring that team up to another level. Do you know, again, God forbid I keep harping back to Billy Davis, but when he come in, that sort of spark and that he pulls everyone together and makes it feel like they're all in the trenches together. And you wasn't going to get that kind of character. And particularly with the situation as it was around him, you know, COVID and everything going off and the lack of fans, it, it must have been hard coming into that environment. But I think... I don't think it's all his fault. I really don't. You know, the, the, the full-backs at the start of the season were poor. And that, whether they're kids, whether they're, it was Bong or whoever, you know, it, it wasn't all their fault either. But it, already it got weak links in the team, you know. And 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 then the signings, you know, players that are coming under Lamucci that wasn't his fault, that have not been about the team, that he might have liked to get a bit more out of. So I don't see it's all his fault. There's lots going on at the club to suggest it's not his fault. You know, we hear different rumours every day, you know, if we read Twitter and things like that. So I do feel for the guy. I, I really feel for him. He wasn't my choice. Do I want a new manager now? Yes, because at the end of the day, a manager has to work. And, and I think... Putin's been honest enough to say this himself. A manager has to work with what he's got. You know, that ultimately, this is football in the modern modern era. You know, we all want them to pick the players and pick their own players and sign the players. But it doesn't happen like that anymore. And there always is a little bit of interference from, from, from the top. But I definitely do feel 
for him because I think he's had his uh, he's had his fingers burnt a little bit with the job. Do you know, he's probably been given these assurances that he can do the job and we can get rid of these players and he can get these players in. But ultimately, do you know, I think issues that happen, I think of the fullbacks in particular, issues that happen with Ribeiro and and Jenkinson before we were there. Do you know, those players would have been crucial at the start of the season. Do you know the the the, the Coventry game? I think of. Do you know we might have held on. Do you know with Ribeiro and and, and a more experience? Because all I seem to think with this championship is you need a streetwise manager and you need streetwise players. And we thought we'd got a streetwise manager in Chris Hutton. Do you know because the managers tend to go around the clubs and the players will give someone away on a free and he's in the Premier League in three years. Do you know? And it's about getting a team and a manager that streetwise. And I just think that for all his experience, for all his knowledge about it, he's just not been given a chance. So in that, the short answer to your question is definitely, you know, I, I feel for him, but it's definitely time for a change. Yeah, and I think we saw since he's come back, when he joined and there was a whole thing of with COVID, no fans being in and everything being saying how much we need the fans in there and how, how much of a boost they give to the players and the managers. Because I remember going to one of the Boxing Day matches under Sabri and it was amazing there, everyone chanting his name, brilliant atmosphere. And you look back at the recent matches, Chris Hutton's first few games back at the City Ground, the abuse he's been getting from the fans and obviously the chanting of Lamucci's name that's come out, being you're being sacked in the morning by our own fans away. Um, it's really not very fair on him. Adam, what were your thoughts when you saw or heard about these chants coming towards him because it's not really very fair. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously I sit in the like lower trend and obviously they were emanating from other parts of the ground. Um, it's not something that, you know, I personally joined in with, the, especially the Sabri chants. I mean, you know, we've, we've all seen different um, times with Forrest and that. I mean, for me, Sabri's one of my favourite Forest managers that I've seen, especially since I've had a season ticket. I mean, my first year was under Billy Davis and he was brilliant and then, Sabri was the first manager since then where, you know, what maybe a crank, but you know, it's but but he's gone and he's not at the club anymore. And I think ultimately it's it's disrespectful to Chris Hutton to, you know, be chanting for ex-managers and things like that. Like you're always going to get the booze at half at half time, full time, especially if we're not winning or we lose. Um, you know, you're always going to get, you know, you're getting sacked in the morning from away fans, not usually from the home fans. But I mean, when we're playing at the city ground, it's not. We've got a fantastic fan base. I mean, I saw something from this past weekend where we had the second highest home attendance in the championship and we're bottom of the league on one point. You know, ultimately the fans are there and the, the, we, we can generate a great atmosphere and, you know, a lot of players come to the club, even if we don't play to Forest or play at the city ground and go, you know what, it's a great atmosphere and, you know, but we need to, it needs to be a bit more positive. It's a toxic environment at the moment. I think it would be, it'd be unfair to say it's anything else. I mean, I, I, I've been to every home game this season and they, I only missed Stoke away. And every game I've been to this season, it, it's just been so toxic. It's just been such a, you know, a volatile atmosphere. I mean, even when we was one nil up at half time against Cardiff, I mean, I, I've gone down at half time and people are, you know, I, I, you, you didn't hear many positive words. I mean, most people were saying, oh, we'll get beat 2-1. And, you know, it, it's almost an acceptance that we're going to get beat. And I think that, that goes to the players too. I mean, the players feel that, you know, players shouldn't have to have the, the, the crowd behind them to play good football, but they, they do. It's that 12th man, the extra encouragement. And 
I think we try, we need to try and back the manager as much as we can, as frustrating as it's been recently. And when I say back the manager, what I simply mean by that is just not getting on his back and not chanting for him to be sacked tomorrow. You don't have to like that he's still here. You might want another manager in, but it's a negative environment and it's not going to produce positive results on the pitch. Um, not to say it's the fans' fault, obviously, but I think, you know, if we could be that 12th man and just get behind him, especially when we're wanting to look against Cardiff, then, you know, hopefully in the future it will bring positive results. But it's tough. It's tough to be a Forest fan and it's probably tough to be a Forest player ultimately at this point in time. Yeah, definitely. And, and Des, you said there before that you are looking, you want a new manager at the club. Who would be your ideal replacement? Because at the moment we've seen a few interesting stories come out. Obviously, a, a number of weeks ago, there was um, the story about Chris Wilder coming out, which was totally ridiculous. And, and Dan Taylor said it on the NFFC pod about it being his agent, basically working uh, the journalist. I think it was Alan Nixon. Um, and in recent days, obviously, John Terry, uh, who did come out with a statement uh, today and basically dissing himself and not uh, being respectful to Chris Hutton. But who is your personal favourite? Is it an experience or is it someone we don't really know that, like, the Valerian Ismail at Barnsley? Um, I'm, I'm quite controversial with this and I hate, I hate myself for saying it, but for me, we've got to go for the, the bullshit, abrupt type manager and as much as I've hated him over the years and, and hated the thought of him managing Forest, you know, tomorrow's opponent... Neil Warnock, you know, because I, again, I, I spoke about being streetwise, and and there's there's managers that are streetwise. There's there's the Gary Rowitz, there's Gary Monk, you know, who can do a job around the championship, and and when they get the right club, it clicks for them. But I think Warnock brings this sort of a bit of aggression, you know, Forest are a bit a bit too easy at the moment to to be pushed around and pushed over, you know, not just on the pitch it feels, it just feels like as a club we're just, people can say what they want, people can do what they want and and again, a bit like the, the siege mentality I spoke about under Billy Davis, um, I, I just think Warnock would be the type of manager who would get the best out of a Lyle Taylor and a Lewis Graben, you know, he'd go back to the absolute basics, all that said, I don't think they'll go for Warnock because he's got too much to say. And that that I feel is is where they'll sit in terms of the manager. Do you know I'm not I'm not a big Chris Wilder fan, but again, if I'm thinking along those lines, it it's probably the same kind of thing. Do you know, he'll come in with his own ideas. It it, it, it makes it so the world is against us. Do you know, we become the underdog and then we come out fighting. So so those type of managers, do you know. It, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because like when Lamucci come in, you know, who, who knew him really? You know, and he did a good job. There might be a manager out there that that the club know of. You know, I I think sometimes, you know, when it when the when the going gets tough, could we do worse than a Andy Reid and Chris Cohen that kind of thing? You know, it's just a shout. I'm not. I, I don't think it's the situation for them right now in in this real real mess. But, you know, again, just to get the club and the fans and everybody sort of going again, you know, really sort of behind behind them, I can assure you if that was the management peer in the next home game after after tomorrow, the Millwall game, then there'd be another 5,000 in and they'd be singing Reading, they'd be singing Chris Cohen. 
So again, I just feel we need something that's going to sort of spur the club on. I, w- I was really disappointed when Martin O'Neill didn't work because I kind of wanted that to be, you know, Karenka was good, but he was a bit flat, you know, and I think it there was this love-hate relationship with the board and with everybody within the club. So I just think we need somebody to really sort of grab the club. I've always thought Warnock fancies the job. People tell me he wouldn't leave Middlesbrough. Well, he leaves clubs sort of when he feels like it, you know. And and again, I'm, I'm a bit older than you guys, but remember when he was manager of Notts County, he absolutely adored Brian Clough. And I think he wants to ultimately one day follow in his footsteps. He has refused it in the past when Faraz wouldn't give him what he wanted, you know. But we need somebody to go in and take the team, the, the club a little bit by the horns and, and, and just change that losing mentality. We need a winner. We mm. need a real winner, a fighter and a winner. And I think whoever we get, you know, people are always upset with John Terry and the, the idea, you know, again, he's not a very likeable chap in general, but he's a winner. You know, he's a fighter, he's a winner. And and I, I wasn't dead against it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be particularly happy, but, you know, we need that kind of thing. And you look at someone like that, and maybe he brings in like Rooney has, like Lampard has in the past at Derby. You know, they bring in sort of good, solid youngsters from Chelsea or or Aston Villa or, or clubs like that. You know, they've got them links. I just think at the moment, you know, with, with the manager we've got, you know, the, the club's just sort of flat, not really going anywhere until we get somebody with a, a bit of fight and a bit of sort of up and atom mentality. For me, Warnock. You know, we won't go very far, far wrong. Yeah, and I think it was interesting you mentioned there um, about Rudy and obviously having Cohen with him. Um, I think it's the video came out the other week, maybe last week at some point, when they did the interview with Andy Reid to talk about the academy and how it's going for them. And from listening to everything that he'd been saying about what they've been doing with the team, I think a lot of people said, well, this is what we need for the first team and this is how we want them to be playing and it shows the disconnect between that academy style and then the first team. And following what the academy have done with Reedy, and obviously I think it's Dave Rogers, his assistant, um, they seem to be doing brilliant things. But I think, as you said there, it wouldn't be, the f- it wouldn't be fair to give them the job right now based on the situation. Um, Adam, what are your thoughts potentially on a replacement? Obviously, we've got Dane Murphy, who went for these unknowns at Barnsley. Do you think that's what he would do again for us? Yeah, I mean, personally for me, and it's you know it's all a matter of opinion, I suppose, isn't it? But for me, if you've brought Dave Murphy in, that is that's your intent to say this is how we want to run the football club going forward. That model isn't going to be bringing in, you know, uh, I I don't think you bring in Wilder or Warnock or Pulis or managers like this. I mean, I I don't think that's going to happen. I, I it's not. I wouldn't say that Chris Hewton's a Dave Murphy star manager based on what we know from Barnsley. Um, for me, I, I trust him ultimately. And I think it's, I know it's a lot to trust one person and to make that decision, but that's his job and that's what he did at Barnsley. And we can only go on the evidence that we saw at Barnsley when, you know, before Ishmael, they had managers that came in and were successful. Um, managers of that that same sort of, you know, style. That you've, they've... I was listening to something not long ago, I can't remember who it was from, but it was essentially saying that Dave Murphy has 
worked for previous regimes where they bring in players to suit the style of football that they want to play, irregardless of who the manager is, and the manager fits around that. So it goes from the top all the way down to the you know the management team. And Chris Hewton won't do that. And you know, ultimately, you know, I think you've got to bring in somebody that's got you know younger and got a point to prove. And if he wants to pick out a gem from Austria or Germany or wherever it might be to bring in a manager that can come in you know, help us out and that's fine. It's a long-term plan. I'd rather us personally go for somebody who is going to be here for two or three years and on a long-term plan, keep us up this season, mid-table next season, fight for the top six season after. I know that's wishful thinking, especially with this board and, you know, it can't be said that we just, we, we give managers much time. But if we have a long-term vision and a long-term plan like that, that, that will help us more. I mean, you think about teams that have been promoted from the championship recently, they're promoted by managers like Thomas Frank and Daniel Farker, who ultimately have come in. And yeah, obviously they've got good squads, they've got good players, but that's been built over time. Their models, their processes, it takes time to do this. So I'd be going on, you know, the younger, maybe a bit more improving scale. I mean, I watched the under-23s and really plays some brilliant football. You know, we do play quick attacking football, but I think that he's doing a great job there. And I think that he's happy with the job he's doing there. The last thing I'd want is him to come and take the first team job and it, it not work or, you know, was not given the time because he's such a great asset to the club that I think he's better off staying where he is for now. But going forward, yeah, I trust Dave Murphy. And whoever Dave Murphy brings in, I think it's probably the right man. Yeah, and it's been said recently, looking at this ownership now, we had for Waz before, terrible. Um and when Maranakis came in, it was seen to be the new dawn that we'd finally got an owner who knows what he's doing because he did it all with Olympiakos. And it's just not really worked out at all. Anything, everything he's proposed when he took over hasn't happened. I think the most, one of the things that has annoyed people most is the stadium, uh, whether that's on the owner's part or the, the council and planning permission. I think that's something that's really upset everyone and that, we really wished would have been done by now and that we would have had this facility and that probably could boost boost our performance no matter what. But looking at this ownership, I think it's I've had a few discussions with fans on social media about it. Um, and it all seems to be looking at the very top, not necessarily Maranakis himself, but who he's put in charge. Johnny Owen is really got has he really got any place to be on this board apart from the fact that he did uh, the the film? Um, he doesn't seem to be doing stuff from stories that have come out. Uh, Des, what are your thoughts on the Maranakis era and whether he is just a Fawaz with another club? Yeah, do you know, the, the longer this goes on, the more it's starting to look exactly what we got really disgruntled with Fawaz about, isn't it? Do you mm. know, in, in life, not just in football, there's people who talk and there's people who do things. You know, and, and all the talk was fantastic. You know, we all got excited. We should know by now. We've heard it so many times, you know. Um, I'm, I'm not one, I don't really want to comment on, on the likes of Johnny Owen and Nick Randall. They seem plausible characters. They seem sort of decent and, and willing, you know, whether I don't know what their day job is, sort of ongoing. Dave Murphy comes in with a good reputation um, and you want to believe that he can make a difference. But are they going to be allowed? Because the, the, they seem to be the ones who are fronting up this, this image of we're going to do this, we're going to do that. COVID was the perfect opportunity to get that main stand sorted out, you know. And I know 
it's got to go through a lot of red tape, through the councils, through planning permission. But rather than talk about it, just do it. The fans would have been onside, you know, whatever. If, if that was flattened now and parts of the stadium was inaccessible, you know, the fans would have been onside. They would have been thinking we're moving forward. Even with the wrong manager and the wrong team, you know, the, 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 there's some sort of prospect of moving forward. You, you see at the moment, you know, people are moaning about the stadium itself and Johnny Owen and and all these things, you know, they're not important in the grand scheme of things. You know, if we're winning football matches, they're not an issue. You know, it doesn't matter who the commercial director is or what the stadium looks like. You know, it, it's when everything, like like you guys have said already, it's toxic, you know, we're finding reasons to moan, you know, and and, and find, well, well, we're not. They're giving us reasons to moan, you know, and, and, and continue moaning and sort of criticise because they've said we're going to do this, this and this, and they've not done it. It's as simple as that. Like I say, there's talkers and doers. And Faraz was the, the, the biggest talker of them all. Do you know, rather bizarrely, we, we don't get that same thing from Maranakis, but he puts people out there to say the right things. Do you know, and we've, we've, we've heard a lot from Dane Murphy, the, the club sort of structure when these people interview, do you know, when these people talk and then we don't hear anything. Do you know, I heard a, a, another podcast with Gary Bertles and Darren Fletcher talking about the fact that um, where is Dane Murphy right now? Do you know, is, is Chris Hewton his man? Do you know, because if not, there's no reason they haven't sacked him because this has gone on for too long now. Do you know, is he really his man? Come out and back him. And then the fans might go, this is the way it's going to be. Do you know, and we don't hear any of that sort of rallying cry, that that positive news when the chips are down. It's all it it's all when they come in and they're, they're going to make massive change and the fans are on board, you know, and and Lamouch is overperformed in his role, you know, and they're, they're sitting on the back of that and almost taking the glory from it. What we need is is real sort of big answers from from the big people and and a lot of people say oh well that's not Marinakis as well that's Dave Murphy's role I don't care who it is we need it from the top you know we need it from the top now not the people who we believe are, are, are sort of instructed instructed sorry instructed to say these things you know and that's what it feels like a little bit like I say I've got no sort of beef with with Owen or Randall or anybody that works at the club, that, that that like you see them about, they're very sort of nice guys who who seem to be sort of the head seems to be in the club, the heart seems to be in the club, but are they allowed to sort of perform their roles the way that, the way they should? And the reality is, in, until we hear what their remit is and what what they should be doing, you know, and where the club's going again, because all of a sudden. The, the, the only place the club's going is to League One without any prospect, you know, and that's not the legacy, surely, that Maranakis came in to leave. Because if we did get there, I couldn't see him sticking around too long either. You know, I'd imagine the club would be up for sale and and, and it'd be wiped off as a bad job again. Mm, definitely. And I think one of the scary things with seeing about who's being in what job is that we had Vrentzos as the supposed CEO over the last couple of years um, causing a bit of mayhem behind the scenes but then we finally got we've got Dane Murphy in but then there was this controversy the other week when you look at it that Vrentos is still on the board there 
doing something, but no one particularly knows what. Um, we spoke to an ex-staff member, I'll keep him unnamed, um, off recording and said about that he was a nice guy, but it was one of those Marmite situations of you either really like, or you either liked him or you hated him. Um, and obviously that's not someone we can't have behind the scenes really dividing the club. Um, and we see Dane Murphy coming in as this, as this change and everything. But there was the rumours on Twitter a few weeks ago that weren't helpful at all, that were definitely a load of rubbish about Dane Murphy resigning or being sacked. And I think that was a lot of probably just fear from the club, wasn't it? Um, from, from the fans, Adam, because we saw all these all this panic coming about that the one person that we've got to finally maybe save us has, has seen it, what a mess we are and that he's decided to leave. Yeah, that's not our job's work, is it? Ultimately, he's been, he's been here for two months. You know, he, he knows the mess we're in. I think I think people are naive to think that Dave Murphy doesn't know more than, than we do because he does. You know, he works there. He's there every day. He was at the Cardiff game on Saturday. Um, you know, he, I don't want to put... The thing is, we can't put too, too much pressure on the guy either. He did a brilliant job at Barnsley, but, you know, to do a great job, all the pieces have to fall into place. Maranakis has to play ball with him. Frentos needs to not get involved with the Forest side of things. You know, apparently did a great job for Olympiacos. Keep him there. You know, if, if ultimately Dave Murphy is going to do this job, he needs to be able to make the decisions himself. Um, I hope, and I'm speaking as a very optimistic Forest fan here rather than a realistic Forest fan, I hope that Dave Murphy can come in and be given free reign to do what he wants to do to implement his vision. Ultimately, what I can actually see is that in 12 months' time, you know, maybe we were, I mean, for me, and it, it may be fairly controversial, I don't think that Forrest are in a position this season where we'd get relegated, even under Hewton. I think this will this will turn around to a point of maybe staying up at the very best. I mean, we do have a good squad. We have players. I think we do have some talented footballers here. You've got, what, three members of your first team 11 being touted for Premier League moves. It doesn't happen if you've not got a talented bunch of players. But I think if Dave Murphy had his way already, and I think this is maybe where my concern comes through, that he doesn't have his way, he doesn't get the complete say of things. Chris Hewton wouldn't still have a job here if Dave Murphy was making that decision. If it was only him making that decision, I don't think that Hewton would still have a job because I don't think Hewton fits what Murphy wants to do at the club. So I hope that I'm wrong and I hope that that isn't the case. But like, like mentioned about the Millwall home game, if Chris Hewton's in the dugout in, the, in that Millwall game and we've lost the games in between, I, I'd be baffled if Dave Murphy is okay with that. Mm, definitely. And it was interesting after the, uh, the Cardiff game, obviously David Johnson, Brennan's dad, was on Sky, basically said that he doesn't think that Hewton should still be in a job. Then basically said as well, I think it was pre-match, that he didn't really have a lot of say in transfers, which was, um, I think, maybe some fans took it a bit too much that he was, you know, leaking all this stuff out. And then there was the tweet that went out afterwards. And for those that didn't see it, because it's been taken down now, he's but just so angry and disappointed about how this club is run. And it's embarrassing. The whole board should be gone. They're a disgrace. Last time I said anything bad, last time I said anything bad about the club, Frentzos called me. I'll wait for his call, I guess, as I was right the first time. And now the tweet has been taken down. 
Des, what were your thoughts on the tweet? And do you think that this was either Johnson maybe calming down a bit and going, actually, you know what, I should take that down? Or do you think it was the club telling him to put him down? Otherwise, something will happen with Brennan in the squad. You don't know, do you? Because you've heard all the rumours that they don't like bad publicity. Do you know the whole thing with Dan Taylor? Do you know the, the, there was a there was a connection there with the club for 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 the time for a period of time when it was all positive and there was a lot of support coming from Dan Taylor. Do you know, and and whilst I think he's he's like the rest of us, he's got he, he just wants the best for the club. Do you know, he's he's very vocal, and we all love to read that because we feel we get a better insight. Um, so it's it's possible that they've they've asked him to do that, you know, and there's repercussions on 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 Brennan. But at the end of the day, he's not far wrong, is he? You know, he's 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 a passionate guy. I, I sat near him at Derby, and he was living every moment of it. He was in the crowd. He was a few rows back, you know, and he was living every moment of of the game. He was really sort of feeling it, you know, as frustrated as the rest of us, and. And that's great to see that somebody, somebody in that position, you know, a player's dad, if if he's feeling it, obviously Brennan's feeling it, you know. He, I just, there was a lot of people trying to play down what he said, you know. You could, you you can read them sometimes and go, well, it's just so many characters, or it's just this. At the end of the day, he said it, you know. If he if he feels like he has to say something, then. You know, like us all, when we're compelled to say something, you know, we do it. Most of us do it because we've sat on it and sat on it and sat on it and and it's frustrated the life out of us. You know, some people, of course, on Twitter and social media sort of lash out too, too freely. But most of the time, be, be reserved with it and, and sort of think things through. And I guess over time, he's thought it through and, and there's possibly frustration in the way that... that I've I no idea. I'm not. I'm just surmising a little bit here. But there might have been frustration over Brennan Johnson, uh, over Brennan Johnson, whether he was being transferred or what they were doing with him, and he was at the team and he was in the team. You know, all these kind of little things might be building up. But but it, it in a way, you know, he's not the only one, is he? I mentioned Gary Burtles and and Darren Fletcher. You know, and and it was Darren Fletcher who said we need to start hearing from the club. All we're hearing from is a player's dad. You know, and that's good for us as fans because it feels he feels like one of our own, and it feels like someone else is feeling it. But ultimately, we need to hear from Day. What's his name? Sorry, Dane Murphy. Dane Murphy. So, of course, we need to hear from Dane Murphy. Is the CEO of Nottingham Forest Football Club? We need to hear from him. We need to know what's going on. It's okay, Johnson saying it. It's okay, Darren Fletcher saying it. Do you know that they've got an angle on it, Dan Taylor's another one. But what we need is answers from the club. And until we get them, people like that are just going to keep talking. And and, and that's all we're clinging on to, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think, as you touched upon there with Dan Taylor as a journalist and everyone wanting to hear the best and everything from, from the people that are supposedly reporting back to us about what's happening, um, he doesn't actually cover Forrest, uh, he said in the podcast, but from what you see on his Twitter feed, you'd think so, just because he's such a, a big fan of the club. Over the transfer window, we saw a lot of news coming out on Twitter from, from journalists, and I think a lot of the new young journalists that have just qualified did a great job, to be honest. A lot of them coming out, never not having a name beforehand and being some of the most trusted sources afterwards. Um, 
feel from them feel uh, feel for them a bit obviously with the way that we get linked with everyone and then it doesn't come through and then people heard but you said it came through and it was happening but that's just a transfer window for you um we had a an interesting transfer window we had a very very slow start and then a very late flurry um there were some names that you hadn't heard of coming in and there were some names you had heard of and there were also links flying about everywhere we've we've had got i've got a list down here and probably the ones that people are most excited about is ajada from paraguay he's set to come in and have this big impact on the team which hopefully doesn't pressurize him but also zinkanagel has come in on loan and been brilliant um adam uh would you what are your thoughts on zinkanagel on loan so far and and how he's been getting on in the transfer window as a whole um yeah i mean so i've lost my uh video apologies for that um so i think he's, he's come in and obviously he's got so much passion i, I don't know if, i don't it, it, when you go to games, you notice him do it, but he he sort of get he gets the crowd going and stuff. He like he pumps his arms up in front of the. Um, but now I'm saying I think he's been brilliant since he came in. I think his attitude's been um, brilliant as well. I think that's always helpful for a player. But yeah, I mean, I've said the window itself is probably a, a six out of ten. You know, C plus. You know, we we plugged some gaps. The fullbacks coming in was absolutely vital that we got them coming, and they did. People wanting the centre forward, but I think personally, like Des has said, I think Taylor and Graben are two fantastic centre forwards, just not being played to their strengths. And I think that's we all got excited about Josh Madger, rumours. We all got excited about you know spending four and a half million quid on a footballer, and again, and maybe showing some force there. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, there was, it depends what you believe. A lot of people said it was never going to happen, but. Um, I think we've got what we've got now, and I think we had a positive enough window to give us something to look to look forward to. Ajeda, like you mentioned, people are looking forward to him because of his progressive numbers. Um, obviously, a couple of analytics analytics for us, but online as well about his numbers and how he likes to progress the ball from midfield, which is music to our ears. But he's he's a young kid, you know. He's coming from Paraguay and he's coming into the English game. It's going to be really tough for him, you know. And we we can't put too much pressure on him. But yeah, hopefully it works out and. Coming out of the window, if we had signed Magic, people would say it was an eight out of ten or a nine out of ten. But because we didn't, it's a six, and I think that's fair. But it'd be interesting to see what happens with these group of players because I don't think anyone could tell me that Chris Hewitt and signing Brian Ajeda from from Paraguay. You'd like to think that that's Dave Murphy signing, and it's a statement of intent from him going forward, really. Yeah, there was a real mix in that transfer window. Some people you maybe believe that Hewton would have had a say in and then some that, that really weren't. But there were some good deals in there. I think one that's maybe been overlooked just by the fact of previous uh, spells is Silver um, that came in from West Ham. I think the deal they've come out with now is like something like 200,000. Yes, he's got a big sell on, but it's it's a good deal, I think, for us to get in someone that we need. I think it Reminds me a little bit of when we got in Amiobi and everyone was, oh God, we've got Amiobi, he's useless, um, he's going to be rubbish for us, and then came in and actually did quite a good job, to be fair. Um, Des, what are your thoughts on the window? Obviously, we've got James Garner back as well. Yeah, I saw a, I saw a tweet that sort of said just before the, the, the end of the transfer window, it, it kind of reeled off who we'd signed, and we'd signed... 
the goalkeeper, we signed Garner, Zinkenegel, um, one or two others. And it all, when you looked at it in the cold light of day, if you'd signed them all at the start of the season and it was in the team, it looked like a, even before the last day, it looked like a really good window. At the end of last season, we'd have gone, we'll take that. You know, we might have kept one or two of the ones we let go to, to, to assist that. And then some of the players that come in, you know, I, I like to, I don't, I don't want to sit on the fence, but I've been watching football long enough now to know that modern day transfers, we don't know about these people. Do you know, I'm, I watch a lot of football. I, I consider myself a purist and we talk about it a lot. So, so we're heavily involved, but we don't know these players until we've seen them. And, and one of the best things about football is going to the match and making your own mind up about a player. Do you know, and even in the first couple of games, sometimes you can't do that. There's one or two, you know, I think of Dimitri. Dimitri. Yeah. Um, you know from the outset that you've got a bad one, you know. So so all that, when it comes to the sort of latest signings, I'm just really, really looking forward to seeing them. And the reality is, can they be much worse, you know, than... than the, a lot of them are signed to fill positions, which we know are weak. You know, the fullbacks especially, of course, the Paraguayan guy, you know, even the goalkeeper to some degree. We're looking forward to watching these develop and see if they become a real asset to the club. What does frustrate me in the transfer window? And this is this is why I think Forest fans get particularly sort of irate, is if you look back over the last I don't know how long, 15 years maybe, do you know when when apart from Antonio and British on Belonga, that that's where we'll look back to, because I've just answered my own question. Until we go back to Antonio, when was the last time we bought a player and made a profit off a player we bought? It, it, it's a no-brainer that they're pumping money into the academy, because the, the only saleable assets we ever have are coming out of the academy. Do you know, so... I understand that side of it, but that's really frustrating when it comes to transfer windows. And this is why when we sign a bunch of players that nobody's heard of, the fans are getting really, really upset because we signed a bunch of players last season who we'd not heard of and barely ever played. The ones we had heard of, you know, have just been given away or loaned out or on high wages in the bomb squad, you know, and that's happened for three or four seasons now. And it's a case of... You know, the one about the boy who cried wolf. Forrest have been doing this for too long for us just to go, OK, we're happy with all those signings. Do you know, I can see why fans are frustrated. Other clubs' fans are frustrated, but we see it every single season. We've not made a profit on a player for years since probably some longer. I might be wrong. There might be one or two out there. But generally, we buy 7, 8, 10, 16, as it was last season, and not one of them is really cutting the mustard. When you come to pick the first 11, you know, you still go back to Joe Worrell, Figueredo, you know, McKenna looks a good call to sort of play devil's advocate with that. But um, it, it's just players like Lyle Taylor comes with a big reputation. We're not, if, if we did sell him now, we're not going to make a profit. And we've seen too many of these players just come in and, and it's not their fault, you know. We, I, I said this sort of outwardly on Twitter. It's not their fault if we sign them, but they come in, they, they go through the club for two, three months, and then they're out the door. We've seen it with Sudani and 
and and Sarah Fad and people like this who who looked okay, you know, looked like they could do a job. But what's happening all the time is they just sort of moved on very quickly. Bukalakis is another one, you know, and then they go on and be a bit of a better player than they were for her, for us. And when we have got a good one under Marinakis, it's almost like he wants to pick them off for Olympiakos. You know, I think of Silva, uh, who played in midfield. You know, he didn't pull up any trees, but he's better than what we've got now. You know, he's better than this position in the league table. And then Ribeiro, it was almost like he, he unsettled him, you know, because they wanted him to go to Olympiakos. And, and that's the frustration that ultimately players are coming in and leaving on a free six months, a year, two years later, sometimes just lingering around forever, like Jenkinson, you know. And and when it comes to it, it's Brennan Johnson, it's Joe Worrell, it's all the players that come through the academy that are actually the core of the club, that are the best players still, even with the players that we've signed. What we need to be doing, and this is where my real frustration is, Sorry to go a long-winded way about my point, but what we need to do is sign three players of real quality. You know, I'm not going to be. Oh, it has to be championship. They have to be streetwise. They have to know what they're doing. But somehow we've got to find those three players. If it was Major, I don't know, Garner and whoever Zinkenagel, you know, you would have gone wow at the start of the season. That really changes our team. That makes us look like a, a real... That all, all of a sudden, I, I spoke about it when we was looking at managers, from being defensive, all of a sudden you go, we've signed three real good forward-thinking players and it changes club mentality. But the rea- reality is we sign all these players again who not all of them can even play. We've signed too many again because it, we've still... We've kept Brennan Johnson, we've kept Warrell, we've kept... Um, Taylor, Grab and all those kind of players, they're always going to play, no matter who we sign. So again, we're going to have surplus players who are never going to play for the club. And that's a frustration. I feel what we need to do is buy quality, not quantity. And, 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 and this is why everybody's getting so frustrated. Yeah, I think one of my concerns of looking at this window, it, it's a good window and we're seeing the Paraguayan lad come in. And I think from looking at it out from just from the start of you going, if he's any good, he's going to Olympiacos. Um, and I think obviously that that's awful. The, that's the mindset that we've ended up with, obviously with the owners. And you said there, Tiago Silva going, which was annoying to every Forest fan because you said he wasn't like the best player in the team, but he was good. And you look back at games like when we played Fulham and there was that amazing team goal his positioning and everything just added to that so much and he was brilliant but I can see if if a Jada does well and let's say we don't go up in the next couple of years I think he's definitely off um, to Olympiacos whether he'll want to or not maybe it'll be like Ribeiro um, and I think Ribeiro was another prime example of that was the whole reason he left the club was probably to do with that and I think I saw on social media someone had messaged him and gone was it your choice or the club's choice to see you go and he said he replied and said it was the club's he didn't uh, like go on from any of that but still to to see that it's not very very helpful at all uh, we did see I'll end it on this one we saw the return this season for Jao Cavallio he's the club's record signing um, splits the fan base a lot um, 
but everyone seems to want to see him in the team. Even if he doesn't deliver, the fact that he's on there will will add a little bit of a spark. Um, Adam, what are your thoughts on Carvalho as a whole? And then to as we'll end it off, your thoughts for the for the rest of the season. It's not Carvalho's fault that we spent thirty million pounds on him. Ultimately, he's an incredibly talented footballer, isn't he? I think that's something that we all know. I think as a fan base, even people who don't like him, even people that criticise him, if you are a football fan, you can see that he's an incredibly talented footballer. And to see him back in the squad's brilliant. It's weird because it almost feels like he's coming at the worst possible time because now Brendan Johnson's in the gym. Do you know what I mean? And I think that makes it harder for him to really get running games because Brendan Johnson's playing. And if Brendan Johnson's going to get played as a 10... I don't think anyone would pick Carvalho over Johnson, which is tough. Personally, I think Johnson might be better out wide. I think he says much himself. So, you know, but for the rest of the season, the, you know, the, the goal is to stay up, isn't it? Um, and that's that's so hard to, to say. I, I know after a six, seven game, I can't really say if that's the goal, but we'll probably finish 16, 15th, 16th under a new manager and we go again next season. It's disappointing, but unfortunately, I just I feel like that's where we're at. Um, but yeah, it's one of those seasons again, I'm afraid. Yeah, uh, Des, what are your thoughts on on the Portuguese prince? Um, like Adam says, he, he's a talented footballer, but he, he's not for me in this. T- he, he's had there's too many managers now, you know, too many football people, and whatever we know and whatever we think of Chris Hutton and Sabu Limuji and however much we want him. They know footballers as well. They know how it works, and none of them are picking him. It's as simple as that. You know, he's he's not. It's not as if one manager's come in and bombed him out. He's had chances under most managers. You know, and I look back and I can count on one hand how many good games he's had. In fact, I, the only one that really springs to mind is a, a few games at the start of Cranker's reign. But the one that really stands out is the Middlesbrough game where he tore them apart that day under Martin O'Neill, you know, which is interesting in itself because Martin O'Neill gets the blame for his demise almost. Um, but I don't know. He's an enigma, isn't he? You know, I'd love it to work for him. You know, again, he seems like he, he kind of applies himself off the pitch properly. It just seems like when he's on the pitch, that same kind of application is not there and that, that, that willingness to sort of make himself sort of undroppable, you know, and, and when he, if he played like he did against Middlesbrough, he put in a performance against QPR that day when he scored a great goal down the touchline, you know, that kind of thing, it makes it impossible to leave him out. But we see that once in a season, once a season, once in a blue moon, you know, so I just think, Again, it's one of those, it's lingered on that much. The club need to sort it out. It's one of those issues what leave everybody asking questions. You know, when we spoke about State Main Stand and, and Dave Murphy and Chris Hutton and, and Jao Cavallio is another one, you know, let's get these issues sorted and resolved and move forward as a club. You know, until, until we sort of almost let him go, I, I think that issue is always going to be there. And, and it, again, with the club sort of, needing to raise funds, why is he not one, why is there no one banging the door down if he's that much of a great footballer? Yeah, I totally agree with you on some of those points there. Um, Well, thank you everybody for listening. That's all we've got for today. 
Uh, thanks, Des and Adam, for coming on and, and giving your thoughts. I'll leave your socials down below of the YouTube video and in the links to the Spotify and Apple. Make sure you go and follow them and check them out. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. That was the final whistle. <laughs>